Welcome to Old Law, New Law, a podcast by us at the Victorian Law Reform Commission. I'm Gemma Walsh. And I'm Nick Gadd. It's great to have you with us. In this podcast, we'll be asking, what's wrong with the law? How can we fix it? And how can we make the law clearer, more up-to-date and fairer? Today, we're looking at the Victorian pre-trial process, in particular committal hearings, which is the focus of the VLRC inquiry. We're talking to Michael McKitterick, the team leader, and Brianna Proud, Senior Policy and Research Officer of the Committal's Inquiry. Many people in the community might not realise that there are a lot of steps to go through before someone is put on trial. So let's talk about committals and other pre-trial proceedings. What was the original purpose of committals, Michael? So a committal proceeding is a process in which indictable criminal charges, which are serious criminal charges, are transferred from a lower court, that's where the charges are filed, up to a high court, which is in Victoria, that's the county or the Supreme Courts. But what the original purpose of committal proceedings was is to act as a filter. So to ensure that unfounded criminal charges were not pursued to trial. And the rationale was that an an accused person should not have to go through the expense and also the stress of a criminal trial in relation to charges that were seen to be wanton and misconceived. So one of the things about the committal process at the moment in Victoria is that the magistrate um, commits the charges for trial, commits a matter for trial. And what that means is that the magistrate says that there is enough evidence to support a conviction for a particular charge. So, so that's what the word committal actually means. It's the magistrate deciding, yeah, this person um, can go to trial. There's enough evidence. Yeah. So the magistrate can still, for example, the magistrate can still determine that there isn't enough evidence for a particular charge to go forward. And so that matter isn't committed to trial. And what else are committal proceedings used for? As they developed, they became to serve a number of other really, really important purposes. So one of those was to ensure that an accused person knew the nature of the case against him or her, and then that case that was being made by the prosecution was fully disclosed to um, to an accused person. And what they do is that they give an accused person the opportunity to test evidence before that goes to trial. So let's imagine an example. Let's say Charlie got into a fight outside a pub Someone got hurt, Charlie was arrested by the police, charged with a number of offences, some of them serious or indictable offences, some of them less serious charges, and he's been brought to court to face the music. Bree, can you explain what happens next? Can you take us through the steps? If, for example, in the fight, Charlie caused another person relatively serious injury, um, the police officer might charge them with an offence called intentionally causing serious injury. That is an indictable charge, which the law says has to be dealt with by either the uh, by the county court. It's too serious a charge to be dealt with by the magistrate's court. So Charlie's case, when he arrives in court in custody, is going to be in what's called the indictable stream of the magistrate's court. And the first hearing is called the filing hearing. What is that, and what happens? It's the first hearing where magistrates outline a number of important dates for. Charlie's lawyers, prosecution lawyers and police to do certain things. The main thing is um, for the police officer who charges Charlie with with this charge of intentionally causing serious injury to prepare what's called a brief of evidence. A brief of evidence contains all of the information that the police 
rely upon to prove the charges against Charlie. And in his case, it might include things like witness statements from people who saw the fight. It might include CCTV footage. Um, and it could include also some really important medical evidence from a doctor about what type of injury the victim in Charlie's case um, sustained. So the parties, they receive this brief of evidence. They can then start to negotiate the charges before returning to court for the next step, the committal mention. What could happen there? In Charlie's case, if the parties arrived at a committal mention hearing and the prosecution agreed based on the evidence in the case that this, the injury to the victim wasn't so serious as the police originally thought, then Charlie could make what's called an application for summary jurisdiction. Now, what that means is that a magistrate could hear Charlie's case, but only if the more serious indictable charge is taken away by the police. So if that is agreed to by the magistrate, the police, the prosecution and the defence, then a magistrate can deal with Charlie's case in the magistrate's court, and that can often happen relatively quickly. However, if Charlie decides that he is happy to plead guilty to the more serious charge being intentionally causing serious injury, for example, that case would then need to be dealt with in the county court. And have they called any witnesses by this stage? Have they, has there been anything like that? So not at this mm. point mm. when we're still talking about the brief of evidence, disclosure, mm. police, prosecution and defence all having conversations around mm. what material should be provided. Um, but after the committal mention hearing, it might be that there isn't actually going to be any agreement in Charlie's case mm. and the defence lawyers for Charlie might be saying that um, they would like to test some evidence and they might also be saying they haven't got all of the evidence yet from the police or the prosecution. So there could be some delays in all this process? Yeah, of course, mm. and mm. there is naturally going to be time between mm. each court hearing um, for really basic reasons such as the fact that there's lots of different cases that are going through the court. Lots of different things need to happen between the court dates, such as emails being sent between the parties, documents being provided, courts having having physical courtrooms available to hear cases, courts having magistrates available to hear cases, lawyers being available. There's lots of different things that go into when a court date will be next heard, the next court date in a case. Okay, well, we know that in the great majority of cases, the accused person pleads guilty at some point. Uh, but let's say that Charlie does not agree. He and his lawyer decide to defend the matter and plead not guilty. What happens then? If Charlie's saying, no, I'm not guilty of that case, of that charge, sorry, and the prosecution don't agree to change the charge in a way that Charlie would accept, then the parties can ask the magistrate to adjourn the case to what's called a committal hearing. And that's the main, I suppose, event where a witness would come to court, possibly, and give evidence before a trial. So before the committal hearing, the court has to decide which witnesses will be called to give evidence. How does the court decide who gives evidence? In Charlie's case, there might be 10 witnesses who saw what happened. There might be... Um, two different medical experts and there might be seven different police officers who were all involved in some aspect of the investigation and arrest. Not all of those people are going to be relevant and to, to what ultimately um, happens in the case and also they might not be able to give evidence about 
the critical issues that the defence and the prosecution lawyers are disagreeing about. So at a committal mention hearing, in order to have um, a witness show up to a committal hearing to give evidence, a magistrate must first grant what's called a leave to cross-examine that witness. And the defence lawyer must argue to the magistrate about why they want to cross-examine that witness. And there's a set of rules around and parameters around um, why uh, around whether a magistrate will grant that leave and also if the leave is granted about what that witness can be questioned at the committal hearing. So once those things are determined, then the case is adjourned to a committal hearing and that again might be another few months in the future. And what happens to Charlie while all this is going on? Is he down in some cell somewhere? Um, most people facing indictable charges because of the seriousness of them are in custody while this is all happening. Um, he wouldn't be just in the cell underneath the magistrate's court, he'd be in a remand centre somewhere. Okay, so now we get to the committal hearing. How long does that take? Often they're set down for one day or maybe two days depending on how many witnesses the magistrate has said the defence can cross-examine. Um, and all those witnesses then come to court and the defence can ask them particular questions that the magistrate at the committal mention has said they're allowed to ask. So once the evidence has been called, if there is evidence being called, then a magistrate, as Mick spoke about earlier, will make a decision whether to commit this case to a higher court for trial or for sentence if Charlie decides to plead guilty after hearing the evidence against him. And how long does this whole process take from when Charlie's arrested up until, if we go through all those steps, Brie, that you've just outlined, how long would it take until you get the final decision and the magistrate says, yeah, this guy's going to trial? So we don't specifically know. Um, what we have been given by the court is the median number of days. And for cases that are committed after a committal hearing, which is where evidence is given, um, it's 223 days between filing of charges and the case being committed to a higher court. So about seven or eight months. Correct, yeah. but that's the median number. Once a case is moved from the lower court to the higher court that it will be ultimately determined in, there's again another set of procedures that need to be followed before the case goes to trial. It sounds like delays are a critical challenge to the court's processes. One of the things to think about um, with the court with court process is the notion of delay and what there is is good delay and bad delay and one and, and good delay is the things the time it takes to do things so time it takes to for a brief of evidence to be prepared the time it takes for a lawyer to be able to have a look at have a look at the brief and have a look at the evidence against their the, the the client and and properly advise the client and then the time it takes for the the lawyer and the prosecution to have meaningful discussions about a matter the delay that we're interested in in this reference is the, what we call the bad delay, which is where you have to wait for things to happen. So where you have to wait to get your hearing date in the, in the magistrate's court, and then you might have to adjourn the matter, so you have to adjourn it off for another hearing date. There's also delay with, with getting things like um, forensic reports, so medical reports or DNA reports, and we know that there's a, there's a fairly significant delay with that, and that might cause a matter to be delayed for a further three months. Once the matter's committed for trial and you go up into the High Court, there's more delay there because you, your trial has to be listed and it, and, it, and it joins the queue of trials 
which are waiting to get on before a judge. And, and if you're in the country, for example, we know that that delay is exacerbated up there because the Supreme and the County Courts don't sit up there all the time. Court facilities are um, court facilities are limited, so therefore it will take a while for your for your matter to get on up in the country. What specific factors cause delay? Uh, and the, the main thing for delay that we've heard apart from, um, there's two things. There's, the, there's getting forensic reports done. We, ever, all, the, all the people we've spoken to say that that is, causes significant delay. But the other thing is, the is, I'll say it again, there's structural delay because the court system just doesn't have enough capacity to deal with all the matters in, yeah. a, in, an, efficient, in an efficient way. And unfortunately, you can't just press pause on crime being committed. Yeah. So do we need more courts? Is that what you're saying? We need more courts, we need more magistrates, well, we, need we need more judges? To, we need to look at ways to stop people re-offending, perhaps. Well, there's that. But also one of our terms of reference is to make recommendations about resourcing. So we're asking, we're asking our stakeholders like the courts, like Victoria Legal Aid, to tell us what they think. Mm. And, and, and that will inform the recommendations we're making to the Attorney-General. So how can we make that process more efficient? Well, there's, an, there's a number of things that we're looking at. So things that we're looking at is whether we should keep the test for committal itself, the, the fact that a magistrate has to, has to commit um, the charges for trial and whether that test is still relevant, whether that test still has any utility. What we've learning so far is that the process of committals has a lot of utility because, as we mentioned, it brings parties together, it makes them think about the issues and talk about the issues and it makes, it makes an accused person think about whether they should enter a plea of guilt or not. Um, so they're the good parts of the current committal system. What we want to do is to is to retain those good parts, but also make sure that that those those things are operating in the best way that they can be and in an efficient way. So that might be getting the courts involved at an, the higher courts involved at an earlier stage, so that that court, so the county court, is actively case managing a matter and asking lawyers what's happening, making directions as to evidence and the like. Or it could be that prosecution, senior prosecution lawyers are involved at an earlier stage to make sure that the right charges are filed. For example. And what that means is that it, if an accused person knows, has a very clear expectation of what the charges are that he, him or her is facing, then they might enter, enter a plea at an early stage. And that means that, that the prosecution and the accused and, and the system doesn't have to go to an expensive and lengthy trial. Um, how, do, um, how do they do committals, Michael, in other states and other countries? What has changed? And is the VLRC looking at similar options here? To start with the last part of that question, we're looking at all options, Nick. We're looking at, at the system from the filing of charges through to it going to trial. From the point of view of looking at other jurisdictions, yeah, we are looking at other jurisdictions. So we're looking at New South Wales has gone through a very significant reform of its pre-trial process in the respect that it's New South Wales got rid of committal, the committal decision last year and they've moved to what's called the Early Appropriate Guilty Plea Scheme. We're going to be talking to South Australia because it has it, it changed its pre-trial proceeding in the, in indictable matters and is now reviewing them reviewing that process because it has experienced delay and backlogs. Also, in England, for example, England got rid of committals committal hearings probably four or five years ago now. But to what they've done is brought in the involvement of very senior um, prosecutors very early in a matter, which means that charges are better charges are laid at the outset, which means that, that what they're finding is that, that there's guilty pleas are made at an earlier stage, um, which means that the court system is operating in a more efficient manner. So what's to stop Victoria from, say, taking those reforms that have been made in New South Wales and other states and applying them here? 
what works in New South Wales and Tasmania and England won't necessarily work here in Victoria. We've got really different criminal law cultures, briefed pre-practice previously in, in New South Wales you've, it's a much larger state you've got lots more regional courts for example um, you've got a very different way the bar operates you've got a different way the prosecutions operate you've got a different way all the courts operate and Victorian courts do not operate in the same way um, so what works up there might look good on paper but if we tried to put that on our system down here it might not work. New South Wales and England have got these more streamlined systems but I suppose a lot of people would say, what about a fair trial? How do we guarantee um, that the accused person is still going to get a fair trial? Aren't you taking away some of the, um, some of the protections to the accused, Bree? So the first thing is to um, separate out a magistrate's decision to commit a case to trial with a witness being able to be cross-examined prior to a trial. And those two things are quite separate, especially when you think about how other jurisdictions have handled similar reforms to what we're asked to look at. Um, and while some states have removed a magistrate's decision to commit a case, that, that hasn't translated to witnesses no longer being cross-examined prior to trial. So that still exists in states where there is no decision by a magistrate to commit. You can still, <coughs> so you can still test the evidence? Yeah, you can still test the evidence and there are other processes and procedures which have been implemented in those jurisdictions which almost mirror some of the old committal type procedures. Um, so from, from our point of view when we're looking at this reference, we're trying to balance those two things. We're trying to balance the best way to support victims and witnesses to ensure that they're not traumatised by any further than they have to be by the process because one of the things we've also been told is the mere fact of going to court, the mere fact of giving evidence is a traumatic process in itself. You might have to relive something that was very traumatic for you, particularly if you're a victim survivor. On the other side, you have to balance the interests of the accused person and their right to have a fair trial and their right to ensure that what is happening during the court process is not biased, is make, and make sure that the evidence is obtained properly and to make sure that that person's interests are looked after by the court process. So when are you reporting? So our, so our report's due to the Attorney-General on the 31st of March next year, 2020. If you want to know more about the VLRC inquiry into committals, please go to the Victorian Law Reform Commission website and check out the issues paper. Join us again next time for more Old Law, New Law. Thank you.